Welcome to this week's podcast from the Eucliping Church. We hope you enjoy this message. Just keep pressing into him. He's holy, holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. Jesus, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you, Father, that you're in the room. Holy Ghost, we thank you that you're already healing people in the room. We thank you that you're already moving in people's lives this morning. We thank you that the deliverer is in the room. We thank you that the healer is in the room. We thank you, God, that you're in the room. And when you're in the room, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus. Every demon has to bow to the name of Jesus. Addiction has to go in the name of Jesus. Sickness has to run out in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you that you're in the room this morning, Holy Ghost. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah. We thank you this morning. You're in the room. You're in the room. Come on, if he's in the room this morning, come on, just praise him like your miracle's already done. Come on, he already finished the miracle at the cross. He sealed it with a resurrection. He led captivity captive. You've got a reason to praise this morning. If you got out of bed this morning, you're a walking miracle. If you made it to church this morning, you're a miracle. Come on, if He saved you, you're a miracle. Come on, He's in the miracle business. He's in the miracle business. The King of glory. The King of glory, high and lifted up. He's in the miracle business. And there's nothing impossible for Him. There's nothing impossible. Your miracle's not impossible. His hand's not short. He's able He's able, if He delivered me, He can deliver you this morning. If He saved me, He can save you this morning. I need five or six people just to shout He's able. I need people to to declare it this morning. I need someone to begin to praise Him like the miracles already happened. Just take the next 30 seconds and just praise Him. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's able. He's able. He's able. Come on, praise Him this morning. Praise Him for the loved one who's going to get saved. Praise Him for the healing that's going to happen in your body. Come on, He's enthroned upon the praises of His people. He's more than able. He's more than able. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, one more shout this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you just praise Him as you take your seat this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in the room this morning. Come on. If you're expecting for Him to do something in your life this morning, you wouldn't have shown up to church if you didn't expect God to meet you here. And maybe you did show up not knowing what to expect. Well, let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is in the room this morning. Hallelujah. I meant it when I said it earlier. If you look around, you're looking at miracles. You're looking at miracles that have already happened, miracles that are happening, and miracles that are about to happen. There's something happening in the atmosphere this morning. Melanie, you're looking at a miracle. 
I want you to hear that. You're looking at a miracle. There's a miracle in the making. Hallelujah. Larry, you're a walking miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hector, you're a miracle. You know, Hector used to be able to preach atheism. He had all the reasons why God didn't exist and then God proved Himself to him. Showed up and said, look at who I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If God can take an intellectual atheist like Hector and turn him into a Holy Ghost man, He can do anything with you. Hallelujah. 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 I, I'm just telling you that we have, we've crossed over. I need you to hear that this morning. We've crossed. There's been a shift. I felt it this week in my prayer time as God began to speak to me about our church. We've crossed over. We're stepped into a new season. And what you do in a new season is you receive the new season. So even though your circumstances may not feel like they've changed, because how many of you know some of our circumstances have yet to change? They've yet to change. But what we do in preparation for a new season, when God says we've crossed over, we've got to change our thinking. We've got to change the way we think about it. See, the issue with the Israelites when they crossed over, this isn't even my message this morning, but when the Israelites crossed over, they were still thinking like Egyptians. And so they were looking at the giants that they had to face. They were looking at the things that wanted to destroy their destiny and they were looking at them as though they had a battle to fight. But you need to understand something. God never sends you into a battle He hasn't already given you victory over. He will never send you in front of a giant He's not already defeated in the realm of the Spirit. So the things that you're facing this morning, you need to understand when Jesus hung on that cross and He declared, it is finished, He was talking about it all. He was talking about every battle, every sin issue, everything that you were ever going to face. He declared on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. Hallelujah. All right. Let's get into our message this morning as we wrap up our series, Power for Purpose. This morning's subtitle is Our Model, Our Mission. Our Model, Our Mission. Matthew chapter 4, and I don't want you to turn there. I'm going to have you turn to another passage. I'm going to cover a lot of scripture this morning, so just buckle up, take notes, and let's go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was Jesus' keynote message. You'll remember we've established over the last several weeks a foundational truth that while salvation was part of the goal, it was never the ultimate goal because God didn't just desire to save you. If we just stop at salvation, man, we are doing a great disservice to the price that Jesus paid. Salvation was not just the goal. It was more than that. Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 were called to rule. See, the ultimate goal of the cross was to restore man to his rightful place as rulers in this domain. Jesus came to take back what had been surrendered by Adam and Eve in the garden. They had surrendered the keys of authority and the kingdom when they sinned. They surrendered it over to Lucifer. And we see this in Scripture. Pastor Jacob, where do we find that? Well, in Luke 4, 5 and 6, when Lucifer, Satan, led him up to the top of the, the, the tower, he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He showed him everything. And he said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory. You, you need to understand something. There is glory in rulership. There is glory when we begin to walk in dominion. See, the issue, people are always like, oh, I want your glory, God. I just know what you want is thrills, chills, and some Holy Ghost bumps. That's what you want. When we're asking for glory, what we're asking for is dominion and rulership. 
See, his glory is the manifestation of dominion. You need to understand that this morning. His glory is the manifestation of dominion. When we are walking in rulership, that's where his glory resides. So all these people crying out for the glory, what they're really asking for is, God, I want to step into my identity as a ruler in this domain so that I can push back the powers of darkness that were already defeated 2,000 years ago. I can preach this morning, y'all. There's something in the atmosphere. So he says, I will give you all this domain in his glory for it's been handed over to me. So Satan preaches a truth in this moment. The father of lies preaches a truth. It's been handed over to me, but here's the lie, and I give it to whomever I wish. Oh, he's a liar. Jesus, taking from the devil those keys, goes into Hades, unlocks the prison, and Ephesians 4 says he led captive those who were captive, and then he took the keys and eventually hands them back to the disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So what happened? The mandate was given back to the church to vanquish the devil's capital city, earth. You, you need to understand something. We, we have had so many theological, so much theological nonsense that's been taught in the charismatic Pentecostal world over the last 30 years. We've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to understand what the Word of God actually teaches. Satan doesn't sit on some throne with flames all around him. That's not biblical. He's not this little rat with horns and a little tail and a pitchfork. Okay, that, we, we have so Hollywood... Uh, Hollywood eyes, that's not even a word, uh, what, what we think because we've just bought the lie. We've bought a lie. And so we've got to get back to what the Bible teaches. We've got to understand these foundational truths. So this is his domain. Okay, Lucifer walks around the earth like a prowling lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's not on some grandiose throne with flames all around him and all of that. No, 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 no. But here's the deal. We were given the mandate to vanquish him. He was already defeated. Now we've got to get rid of him. And the problem is that many don't live in the light of this reality. So Jesus pronounces this statement. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And often when we think of repentance, this is what we think of repentance. Walking in sin, change my direction, go back towards the Father. But how many of you know that you love the Father you're walking in direction towards the Father, but there are things you're struggling with, right? We, we've all had that. Sin issues, because we've so been taught that repentance means to change direction. While that is part of it, what repentance actually means in the Greek, it's, it's a Greek word, metanoia. It means to change your thinking. Not your direction, it means to change your thought process. That's what the Greek word means. So, so many of us have felt so defeated in our lives because we're headed towards the Father. We're, we're wanting all that God has for us, but we have these sin issues that we're dealing with. And so we think, oh, I'm not good enough. I might as well just go live in the sin. Might as well just go, might as well change the direction of where I was actually headed and go this way. So then we think, okay, now I'm going to repent. Now I'm going to turn direction, go back this way. What it really means is to change the way we think. And when we change the way we think, the change of direction is the fruit of repentance. So we might be headed in the wrong direction, but that's, 
the fruit of repentance is changing direction. We first have to change how we think. And how do we change the way we think? Well, we could go into a whole conversation about how we repent and all of that, but that's not the whole purpose of this morning's message. But what I want to say to you is that you change the way you think by getting the mind of Christ. How do you get the mind of Christ? By the Word of God. So the more time you spend in His presence, the more time you spend in His Word, not trying to earn something because it's already been paid for. You need to understand that you don't earn salvation. That's a free gift. You don't earn grace. Grace is freely given. And grace which has been taught heretically as the great cover-up for our sin, is actually the great empowerment to live apart from sin. God will give you grace to change the way you think. God will give you grace to change direction. God will give you grace to transform. Grace is not a cover-up. It's not this idea, well, I sinned, but there's grace. No, you cheapen the grace of God when you say that. Well, I'm just going to keep living the way I live because of grace. No, no, no. When we live that way, we look at Jesus' bloody and bruised body on the cross and we say, your grace isn't good enough to actually transform me. It's only good enough to give me a little more grace to keep sinning. It's heresy. It is wrong thinking. It It is not the word of God. The word of God is that grace empowers me to change. Hallelujah. Okay. So grace, I I mean, repentance, metanoia, think differently to change the mind. So the result of repentance is to fully embrace the mandate that that Jesus brings, which requires a radical transformation of the way we think about ourselves, our lives, our life's direction, and our purpose in being. Radical transformation. We've got to fully understand that Jesus wants us to see that everything we do and everything we're involved in is embraced by kingdom values. That nothing we involve ourselves in is without this absorption. And that we have to apply the kingdom of God and its values to everything we do. There is no veil between the sacred and the secular. You need to understand that. We have so divided what we do that we've created this veil. When I do this, it's secular. When I do this, it's sacred. Going to church is sacred. Going to work is secular. You do not have secular employment. You need to understand that. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. So wherever I go, I'm on a mandate from heaven. So even if I work in a secular arena where I show up, the kingdom of God shows up. Wherever I walk, there is an open heaven over my life. I don't live under a brass heaven because Jesus split wide the veil. He used to live in a temple made by men, but then he got out of the box and got into you. You are the walking mobile tabernacle of the Most High God. And when you understand that reality, wherever wherever you go, whatever you do, I am walking in the presence and the power of God. So we need to understand that not only are our lives completely overtaken by the kingdom of God and its values, but everything and everyone we connect to should be influenced by it. I remember years ago when I was going to Bible college, one of our pastors would say this all the time. You want revival? Recognize that when you pick up that piece of toilet paper in the bathroom, you're walking in kingdom because it serves a purpose. 
You want revival? Loving on the cashier at the store. That's revival. You want revival? Start acting like a Christian outside of the four walls of the church. Because people aren't going to want the kingdom that you're of if you're just snarky and rude and mean to everybody. Well, I just don't like the way you treat me when I come to church. I didn't get good service at the restaurant, so I'm not going to tip. Want to come to church? I mean, really? Statistics show that the worst day for tips is Sundays. Worst day for tips in the restaurant industry is Sundays with a whole bunch of people who just worshiped God, got their thrills and chills, and then treated the waitress like she wasn't deserving of the price that Jesus paid. Because we don't live as though we're part of a kingdom. We separate it, the sacred and the secular. So when I go to a restaurant, it's all about me, 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 me. Sometimes the people I tip the best are the ones who served me the worst. Why? Because I got mercy when I deserved worse. God gave me his best. But in our Western culture, we are so self-focused. It's all about me. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. All about me. See that? All about me. When I, when I caught that, I began to ask the Lord, how can I serve those around me? How can I do what I need to do for those around me so that I can influence them for the kingdom? So when I'm at the store, I'll never forget I was preaching in another state and I was in a town that honestly was like back in the 1950s. Like th- this city still had colored water fountains and white water fountains. I'm not joking. I was in the grocery store and this elderly black woman dropped a canned good on the floor and I went over to pick it up and I went to Hannah and she goes, don't do that around here. And I said, what? And she just walked away. And the, the, the manager of the grocery store came over. He goes, you're not around here. From, you're not from around here, are you? I said, no, sir. He says, we don't help colored folk around here. I said, excuse me? I said, well, where I'm from, he says, it doesn't matter. If you want to live through the weekend, you won't do that. I found out the manager of that grocery store was the head elder at the largest church in town. But we're going to separate the sacred and the secular. I'm thinking, I want to go to church with you. But how often, now that's a grand, I mean, that's an extreme example. But how often do we see someone drop something in the store and not pick it up for them? Those simple acts of kindness. Those simple, and then we want people to get saved. I'm going to treat you rude, but then I'm going, to, I'm going to try and lead you to Jesus. I don't want your Jesus. See, Jesus wants us to see that everything, everything we do and are involved in is embraced by kingdom values. The direction we need to think differently in The metanoia that we need to experience is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was Jesus' keynote message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That for you, once saved, the kingdom of God became the first priority, the primary objective of our lives. See, we have so ingrained in our culture, church is just something we do. No, church is something we are. It is who we are. We are the bride of Christ. But too many of us are bridezilla. 
we are the bride of Christ. We are God's earthly representation of his kingdom. It doesn't mean that you don't enjoy and participate in life and living. Have you ever met those intercessors that just walk boat over because, oh, God just has me praying all the time and I have all this warfare and uh, I just... No, that's not God either. The joy of your salvation. He saved us to enjoy his presence. He saved us to enjoy life. So I'm not talking about, you know, being the sour apple. But, but here's the deal. It does mean your life is radically redirected to fulfill a mandate for which you were originally created for. You get that? Your life is radically redirected to fulfill a mandate for which you were originally created for. So Pastor Anna is so good at reminding me, Jacob, what are the practicals of all this? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the practicals of having power for purpose. Matthew 12, 28. It'll be up on the screen because we're still not to our verse yet. This is just the introduction. Hallelujah. Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out the demons by the Spirit of God, what? Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I cast out the demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Why? Because the kingdom of God is greater. It's more powerful. It overcomes the demonic kingdom. And so one is impacted by the kingdom of God. As ministers of the kingdom, we express the kingdom of God through our ministry to those overcome and ravished by the kingdom of the devil. Jeannie, can I share a little bit of your story? Well, I'm going to anyway, so... Jeannie, for years, had a love for Jesus, but didn't love his people. Why? Because they were all sour apples and didn't understand the work of the philanthropy that she did, that she was working with the people the church didn't want to work with, HIV and AIDS victims, people who were the bottom of the barrel, dealing with real-life issues that people don't want to talk about on Sundays, and when my spiritual father, Brent Douglas, came into her office five years ago, has it been that long? Six years ago, almost six years ago, time has flown by. What did he do? He cast demons out of her. And what happened? The kingdom of God came upon her. All of a sudden, that which she had been longing for for years, looking for, in all the places, looking for this Jesus that she knew was real, all of a sudden came upon her. And it transformed everything. Now, did everything become rosy overnight? No. Is everything still rosy? No. But the journey is different. Because we begin to live with a mandate. This is why I want to encourage you. Not just go to a small group. Small groups are, are, are essential. That, we, we preach small groups. We believe in them. If you're not plugged into an e-group, get plugged in. I beg you. Because that's where real life happens. But then do something with your e-group. Go out and pray for people. Take time and go, you know what? We're going to go to the mall. We're going to ask the Lord to give us words of knowledge. We're going to go minister to people. Because we want the kingdom of God to come upon them. We want the kingdom of God to come upon them. Now, for a lot of people, evangelism, if you're like me, you go, Because even though I act extroverted, really, I'm quite introverted. I like to just be me and do what I want to do when I'm out and about. But I have this thing where the Holy Spirit doesn't let me do that. 
because I said yes to him years ago. I said, yes, I'll, I'll be your vessel. So even though I don't want to talk to that person that looks like they're going to kill me across the Walmart aisle, I will go because I want the kingdom of God to come up because my first priority is not to build my life. It's not to build my kingdom. It's not to build my ministry. It's to make sure that the lamb receives his full reward for his suffering. When I caught the revelation of how deep Jesus' suffering was and that it was my responsibility to bring him the reward for his suffering, the mandate changes. I don't become so inward focused. I recognize God chose me, rescued me, delivered me that I might be a walking encounter for someone else who needs him just as much as I did and sometimes even more. And actually the reality is the less we think we need him, the more we need him. The reality is, is that whenever we think we've got it figured out, he goes, let me show you another aspect of me you've never seen before. That's why the angels for all of eternity cry out, holy, 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 because they're seeing something in God they've never seen before. And if they can do that for all of eternity, and we're not even in his full presence, can you imagine when we do see him with unveiled faces? And we're not just going to sit around on clouds with harps. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. God is messing me with me, y'all, in this season. He is, he is taking me back to the foundations of our faith and, and outworking some things in me and causing me to see things in Scripture that I'm going, oh, wow, wow. Actually, my friend, Prophet Jamie Overholt from Ohio, he prophesied to me about five months ago. He said, Jacob, you're about to step into a season where the Word of God is going to jump off the page, slap you in the face, and you're never going to be the same. And listen, I've always had a love for the Word of God. I really have. And I've always made it a priority in my life to be in the Word of God. But there's something in this season where it's just like voraciously opening up the Bible in one sentence. It's like, what just happened? Why did I never see that before? And I'm praying the same for you in this season. That when you open the Word of God, you're just going to be hit in the face with glory. So I want to encourage you, go out into our community. Why? Because every time a person is healed, every time a person is encouraged, every time a person is blessed through our lives, bringing kingdom healing, deliverance, prophetic ministry, we are bringing the kingdom of God to bear upon their lives. The key is to see people come to Christ. Listen, if you've been saved for a while and you're calling this your your home church now, great, we welcome you. You have a seat at the table. But I'm going to put you to work. Why? Because we're not called to sit on our blessed assurance for all of eternity on this side. There are people hurting and broken outside these four doors who need the kingdom of God that's in you. I can't go get them all, and I'm not going to. I'm going to go to the ones that Jesus has called me to. But you have people that are waiting for you. Do you understand that this morning? You have people who are waiting for you, for your testimony for your expression of God's love. They're waiting for you to be obedient. Now, will God raise someone else up? Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to stand before him when he says, I had to raise up other people on your behalf. Because we will. That's a whole nother message. I could preach like 17 messages this morning. Let me get back to my notes. Because this is dangerous, y'all. I feel the preach in me, and it's dangerous. Mark 16, 17, and 18. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. 
They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, bring out this. I'm just kidding. They shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Does it say here, these signs shall follow pastors? No. Does it say these signs shall follow prophets? These signs shall follow evangelists? No. What does it say? These signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe? Prove it. Prove it. Start casting out devils. I'm scared. Why? That's fun. I love seeing people who've been tormented by the same devils that tormented you get free. You know why you're afraid? Because you've got the same devils. That's a whole nother message. This is dangerous this morning. Next week. I'm going to have Pastor Hector start taking down notes of all the messages out of this one. Oh, Holy Ghost, help. Why did Jesus encourage us with this? Because he wants to bring the, the kingdom to those outside the kingdom. Whenever our motive is according to this, signs and wonders must naturally follow. They must naturally follow. They're an expression, and in fact, they are proof of the reality of the kingdom of God. As miracles reverse the effects of the kingdom of God, or I mean, of the effects of the demonic kingdom. They reverse the effects of the demonic kingdom. Give me a person who doesn't believe in miracles. Let me pray. Hands on them. Because they've got a devil. We're called to deliver healing and deliverance to people. The reality of the kingdom of God flowing in and through our lives. So that brings us to our title verse this morning. We're now done with the introduction. Hallelujah. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at a very, very familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to give it to you in a different way this morning. A lot of people call this the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's the disciples' prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me tell you something this morning. For too long, this has been taught as a prayer to be prayed. This is not a prayer to be prayed. It's a prayer to be modeled. The expression of the heart of God in this that he has for us toward effective prayer. So in essence, there are two aspects to this prayer. The first is our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. First and foremost, this part of the prayer is directed to God, ministering to God, worshiping and loving on our Father. Worship in prayer is the gateway to the manifest presence of God. If you are not worshiping and praying on a regular basis, that'll give you a clue why you don't have the manifest presence of God on your life. And let me say this, prayer is not, God, I need this, I need this, I need you to do this, and coming to God with our list. That's not prayer. That's begging. That's what that is. Prayer is communication with your Father. Prayer for me often looks like, Father, I thank you that you're good. And I start with adoration. I start with worship. And out of that, sometimes the needs will come. Now, God, I'm asking that you would touch this person. I'm asking that you administer into this situation. Psalm 100, 
Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. When we worship and praise God, it opens the realm of the Spirit around us. This is why we start our services with worship. Because we recognize that the key to the manifest presence of God is worship and prayer. It is, it is in essence, romancing the Spirit of God. Now, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. That's okay. You're the bride of Christ. Men, we're, I don't know if we're going to wear dresses, but we're the bride of Christ. But women, you're sons of God. So we each have a price to pay. Hallelujah. For years, the worship part was called song service. We're going to sing a few songs. Why? Because it makes us feel good. And, you know, no, we worship to invite the presence of God. I, listen, I'm longing for the day where there are people on this stage so that like what happened today, the music just doesn't go. Because I would continue in it. There are times where I've been in services where I've said, keep it going. Come on, God's moving. I don't need to preach. I don't, I, that's not a need in my life. I don't do this because I need validation or I need, that, that's not why I do this. It, honestly, I'd rather not preach most Sundays. Because all of the anxiety that happens right there, am I going to say what God wants me to say? Am I going to say it right? Am I going to communicate it? Am I going to preach heresy? You know, all those things that happen on the front row. So that's why I always pray, God, I need you to speak. I didn't even pray that today. This must be the Lord. (laughs) But we worship because we recognize that that's the key to the manifest presence of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because we want to maximize the opportunity to connect with God in our praise and worship. Too often prayer is reversed. Asking God for things, our shopping list. And we finish with a little worship and thanks. God, I need all these things, but to God be the glory. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Amen. Effective prayer life begins and ends with Him. Connect to Him effectively and the shopping list of prayer needs will quickly get spoken out and responded to. Oftentimes, I've found that when I'm in prayer and I'm in worship and I'm in that place with God, I begin to pray for other things and all of a sudden, all the stuff that I was going to come to God with gets taken care of. Seen it many times. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It is the greatest privilege that we have to minister to God. I think you need to understand that. It is the greatest privilege we have to minister to God. Here's the second key. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's in heaven is to be brought down here on earth. Our prayer life should be focused on that one aspect. Through our prayer life, when we see what is in heaven and realize this is what God wants on the earth and pray it down. Heaven is our model for what God wants here on earth. You need to grasp that this morning. There's no sickness in the throne room. There's no disease in the throne room. There's no depression. There's no suicide. None of that is in heaven. And so Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. One translation of that word on, there's some debate there if it's actually in earth as it is in heaven. And what are we made from? The dust of the earth. So your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. When I begin to entertain the presence of God and I begin to 
to commingle with the presence of God. And I begin to worship and I begin to have that place of intimacy with God. All of a sudden, the transformation begins to take place. All of a sudden, I begin to experience that manifest presence of God and things begin to transform. Heaven is our model. In prayer, we seek to shake, to destroy everything on this earth that is not modeled in heaven. I am so, can I just be real? I am so tired of having to pray for some of the needs because I'm ready for it just to be broken. Now, do we contend? Yes. There is a contending. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So sometimes it's a war. Sometimes the battle's on for a miracle. Sometimes the battle's on for your breakthrough. And we contend and we war until it happens. We push, pray until something happens. But, but let me say this. Some of these things, I'm just ready to see them be obliterated. But I think part of the reason why they're not is because we haven't recognized our mandate. We haven't recognized that I shouldn't have to live with these things. And that I have the kingdom of God on the inside of me. And where He is, sickness can't be. Where He is, these lack, this lack can't be. Where the kingdom of God is, it can't be there. 1 John 4.17 By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. Do you get that? As He is. Not as he was on this earth pre-resurrected. As he is in the present, seated at the right hand of the Father, fully victorious, fully overcome, fully empowered, fully in authority. As he is, so we are to be. Do you get that this morning? As he is, not as he was, as he currently is, seated at the right hand of the Father. We're getting close, y'all. It is seen Jesus in heaven, so are we to be on the earth, fully victorious. Do you understand that you are to be fully victorious? First in mindset, then in circumstance. Your circumstance will not change until you have metanoia. Until you have had transformation of the mind, your circumstance will always stay the same. Some of you are praying for family members to get saved, and yet you have bitterness towards them. It's all their fault if they just get saved. Some of you are praying for God to bless your finances when you're living on credit all the time and not even tithing. I told you it's dangerous this morning. We want God to do all these things and yet we're holding all these things on the inside and God has no room to move in us to bring the miracle through us. You want that person you're estranged from to get saved, and yet you won't even love them. Well, God, you're just going to have to do it. Now, listen, let, let me say this. I understand we have all gone through situations, and there's people we just can't be around. I get that. It's not safe for us to be around them. There, there, there is no relationship there. But if you're praying out of bitterness for them, it's not going to happen. You've got to let go of the things on the inside to let God move through you. You may never talk to that person, but if you are holding on to the bitterness and the unforgiveness, you can't pray for them to get saved because you're blocking your own miracle. As he is, so are we. 
fully victorious, fully empowered, fully in authority, ravishing the works of Satan, destroying his kingdom, bringing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Everything you and I are about is seeking in prayer ways to destroy the works of the devil. He is fully disempowered other than those who come in agreement with his power. When you catch that revelation, the enemy actually has no power other than the power that I give him because I have been given the keys of authority. And so he says, I give these kingdoms to those whom I choose. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But the power that the enemy does have is when I come in agreement with him. Oh, that person will never get saved. You're right. Because you, as a son of the Most High God, just came into agreement with the plan of the devil. I'm never going to get healed. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because you gave up your authority. Where the enemy comes to test you is, did God really say? Does his word really say? That's how he started with Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say your business would prosper? Did God really say your whole family would get saved? Did God really say you would see these promises fulfilled? Well, I don't know. And then he gave it up right there. The only power the enemy has is through the power of agreement. He is not equal to God. We talked about that last week. 1 John 3, 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. What is the work of the devil to get you to sin? The one who practices sin is of the devil. Why? Because they've come in agreement with the work of the devil. And the Son of God appeared for this purpose. What? To destroy the works of the devil. That work and focus was passed on to us when Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 and 20, and Jesus came up and spoke to them. I'm reading this again to you. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. At the go therefore, the keys were handed over to you. At the go therefore, authority was transferred to us. At the go therefore, we were called to continue to destroy the works of the devil. I've used this illustration before, but if I handed my car keys to Hector and said, Hector, I need you to go to HEB and get some guac and chips. And he just looked at the car and said, yes, I'm in agreement. Guac and chips manifest. No. Go therefore. Here's the keys. Go do it. But so many of us, we've got the keys. I'm going to manifest. That's that whole new age teaching out there. I'm going to manifest my destiny. I'm going to manifest my finances. No, go therefore. Stop trying to manifest anything and just go do it. It's the greatest lie from the pit of hell. You've got all these new age teachers uh, prostituting poor people for their money to get them to believe if we take your five-week course on how to manifest, all of a sudden you'll become rich. No, it's a lie from the pit of hell and all you'll do is manifest demons when I pray for you. Go, therefore, to bring the kingdom of heaven down here on the earth. The mandate has been reestablished. The mandate has been passed to you and I. The mandate is for us to now pick it up and move in as I close this morning. And when we do it, it's through bringing health where there was sickness. 
When we do it, it's bringing deliverance where there was imprisonment. When we do it, it's bringing spiritual life where there is spiritual death. The series has been power for purpose, and the purpose for the power is to destroy the works of the devil. How do we do that? Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. It's ministering to people to bring healing and deliverance, to bring words of encouragement and strength. This is why you must be going out with healing and prophetic into the community. This is why you must be ministering everywhere you go. This is why you must wake up to the mandate and recognize you've been given power for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. You have been destroyed for too long. But what does the Bible says? I've been pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I've been persecuted, but I'm not destroyed. It's time for the church to rise up and begin destroying the works of the devil. Too many in your family are sick and dying and going to hell. And you're offended at them. We've been offended at sinners who sin. But Jesus came to destroy the works of of the devil. I went Thursday to to see a a Broadway show that I do not recommend. Let me be clear. It is not really. Don't go see it. Don't watch the movie. I I cannot endorse it in, in the sense that it is extremely raunchy. And I had to sit with my head down for part of it. And I'm asking God, why am I here? Why the heck am I here? And I understood something in that moment. God wanted me to recognize a need in our community that I had been prejudiced against. And I'm going, God, that's why you wanted me to come see this show? I had to sit through that? Now, I love the music. But I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, God, you obviously have a purpose in this changed my whole perspective on something. And sometimes God will send us to uncomfortable places to open our eyes to something we never saw before. But there's a requirement that comes with that. When you have knowledge but no action, you're in sin. When God reveals something to you, and you don't act on it, you're in rebellion. And rebellion is is the sin of witchcraft. And we operate operate in witchcraft when we begin to pray in the opposite of direction of what God has called us to. You have a mandate. You have power. But you have a purpose. Destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. Stand this morning. Do two things this morning. First thing, 
we're going to do is just a moment and give an opportunity. And the second thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to have a good old-fashioned impartation service. I feel a, an anointing in the room. There's a power in the room this morning. And so those of you who catch, please be, be ready. But this morning, I've talked a lot about how the devil came. I talked about our purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And the first way that we do that is by surrendering our lives to Christ. If you're in this room this morning, or maybe you're watching by live stream, you've never made a decision to follow Christ. You've never repented of your sins. Or maybe you did it one time and that was a long time ago and you want to renew that commitment this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. You don't need to be embarrassed of this because it's a transformative moment in your life. It's a moment where you come in contact with your Savior. I'm not going to ask people to bow their heads and close their eyes today. Because what's going to happen in just a moment, when you choose to surrender your life to Christ, you join an incredible family, the family of God. And those around you are going to walk alongside of you. Right, church? We're going to help walk alongside of people. That's our call. I'm not going to leave them out there to drown. So in just a moment, if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, there's a couple things that I'm going to ask of you this morning. You're going to repent. You're going to choose to change your thinking this morning. And you're going to ask forgiveness for the things that have separated you from God. And in doing so, once you've repented, you're going to choose to place your faith in Christ. And you're going to begin an incredible journey of following Him. So this morning, if that's you, you've never chosen to follow Jesus or you want to rededicate your life to him this morning. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. See those hands this morning. We're going to pray together, church. Can we pray with them? If you're around them this morning, would you just put your hand on them? This one over here. Pastor Susanna, will you go back and pray as well? Church, let's pray with them this morning. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I acknowledge my need for a Savior. You are that Savior. Today, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.